Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Big Blue Insider is on. News Radio 630 WLAP and the iHeartRadio app. To interact with the show, call us at 859-280-2287. That's 859-280-CATS. Or you can tweet us at BigBlueInsider1. Now, here's Dick Gabriel. Welcome back to the Big Blue Insider, hour number two of our program. And uh, I'm the old guy on this show, so I will say this. Back when I was a kid... And listen to UK football games, Kaywood Ledford on the radio. My favorite player was Dickie Lyons. Well, same first name, of course, same hometown. And he was great. Unfortunately, he played on some really bad teams. Uh, but in the post-mortem, I had a chance to meet him. I actually was in his home one day. And on the mantle was a picture of a, of a very young boy who ended up following in his father's footsteps and became a Kentucky football star. And he joins us on our celebrity hotline, Richard Lyons Jr., who immediately was nicknamed Dickie Lyons, I believe by Joker Phillips. Dickie, is that right? That's correct. I was, uh, how you doing, Dick? Good, good. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned all that. My dad was so funny. Um, just this last weekend, he was over at the house with the grandchildren with uh, Dickie Lyons, the turd, we call him. But he was just reminiscent about some article that came out that said, you know, his all-purpose yards are still extremely high up there. And he was saying how he didn't even play his freshman year because freshmen yeah. weren't allowed to play. Yeah. And we only played nine games and not 11, but something that uh, he's still proud of, you know, which is awesome sure. to hear him talk Absolutely. about the glory days. Uh, so you were basically a legacy. And I think if, if memory serves – you committed to UK before you even saw the place, right? Absolutely. Um, that was just one of those things to where I just I didn't know much about the recruiting world. I didn't know even know much about college football, to be honest. Um, I just grew up a Cats fan, and then when it came time to go to college, I just assumed I was going there. So, and you you got here when things were really down under Rich Brooks, uh, it, of course, coming off the probation or it really into the teeth of the probation when it was at its worst in, in 05, but you ended up being a part, I know you got hurt at the end of your career, but you were part of three teams that went to bowl games. That's why you came here to build something. What was that like for you to watch that and to, to survive the toughest of times under Rich Brooks and watch it all come together with, with, Keenan and, and Jacob and Andre and all those guys on offense and then the Wesley Woodyards and, and the guys on defense. You know, I think it's when you go in and you say, I mean, that's the reason that was the recruiting tool, right? Was come be part of the change. And not only was it something that we wanted to do, right. Or we believed in doing, but to actually see it come to fruition was just extremely special, especially with the, I guess, in our mind, the caliber of guys we had, right, from a 
from a two-star, a three-star, not highly recruited, just a bunch of hardworking um, local guys and obviously guys that were uh, like Wesley from Georgia. But just seeing us come and say, we're going to make a change, uh, I'm pretty sure there was a lot of people before that said the same thing. Um, but just seeing that group of guys all come together at just the right time, uh, it was special. It was fun. You caught over the 06-07 season 16 touchdown passes. You had a lot of speed and great hands and a knack for getting open in the slot. And that coincided with Andre Woodson really blossoming as a quarterback, thanks in large part to Randy Sanders. Uh, tell me a little bit about that process. And, uh, of course, as I mentioned, a great receiving core, all of you guys, and you complemented each other so well. Yeah, I think the best thing was, I remember like it was yesterday, but the very first day of fall camp, you know, the, the older guys, Keenan being the older guy at the time, brought us into uh, the dorm during fall camp and just said, y'all are supposed to be better than I am huh. by the time I graduate, by the time y'all become a senior. So I need to teach y'all everything I know. And then again, that's when I remember me saying the same thing to Randall Cobb, you know, wow. saying this is what it's about. And Keenan had that, and he might have got it from somebody else, but I think that was the passion that we had. I remember me, Keenan, and Stevie, it was always a very a very healthy competition. Sure. Which was we wanted to have more yards than the other guy, but we also wanted the other guy to have a lot of yards. Oh, yeah. Um, so I think I got more excited when Keenan or Stevie scored than, than when I did. And that's, a, I think, when you know you got a really good team. Dickie, I think it'd be an understatement to say that you were a jack-of-all-trades, being the first player in SEC history with 1,000 yards rushing, 1,000 yards punt returns, and 1,000 yards in kickoff returns. But if I told you you had to play quarterback in the SEC and lead the team to eight games, eight wins, and a bowl game victory – do you think you would have been able to pull it off? And, and kind of how amazing was that with Lynn Bowden in Kentucky? And yeah, you think about Lynn and uh, and Randall Cobb did the same thing. Even though he, I mean, they both had quarterback experience in high school. Um, I don't think that's something I could have transitioned to do. Um, so when you look at the talent there between Lynn Bowden, it was just incredible to watch. And I remember because because I met him when I when actually we went up for Andre's Hall of Fame induction um, to the Florida game. And I met him up there, and I met his mother, and just, you know, was so excited for him. Terry was still uh, healthy. And that might have been the game he got hurt, if, I don't, if, I remind, if I'm correct. Terry Diggy, I, and, uh... I... Go ahead, Dick. Okay, just trying to make sure. I was just trying to confirm that was the game he got hurt, the Florida game last year. Um... The quarterback. No, Terry got hurt. Terry, or, uh, Terry got hurt against Eastern Michigan, I believe. Okay. Sawyer, Sawyer banged up his, his hand, it. his Sawyer, wrist. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And then Sawyer got yeah, And then our other quarterback got banged up. That was it. Um, but then I just remember that that was a big controversial move, right, which was yeah. what do I do? Do I take the opportunity to play quarterback? Do I stay? Um, and obviously I'm just meeting him and his mother and, leaning on us for a little bit of support because we just started to be there as a resource of, hey, we want to help guide you and more Stevie and Keenan than me. Yeah. Um, but it was just, hey, the more opportunity you can have the ball in your hands, the better. Um, 
and it, and I mean, it paid dividends for, for Lynn third round draft pick and all these wins that we had. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, not in a million years could I have ever done that. <laughs> I, I guarantee you that. Ziggy, obviously you were known as a specialist punt return and kick returner. So I, I'm wondering just from that side of the ball, the NFL debating whether or not to abolish, I, I don't know if it's abolished, but definitely offer an alternative to the onside kick. So I'm wondering your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, when you say that, it kind of reminds me of an old, I grew up in the, in the South Park era where they kind of make fun of everything. But uh, there was one episode <laughs> where they just, they made fun of football after the Tom Brady rule back in the day, and they started calling it sarcastic ball, which is just like, you know, they're just running around with a balloon and hugging each other. Um, and that's what the game had turned into. So they just kind of overemphasized how crazy the rules are in regards to safety. Uh, but, I mean, I don't get it. You know, let's play some football. Yeah. Well, you know, and anything can happen. I mean, sadly, you find that out on what looked like a routine play, and you hurt your knee, and your your career was over. Uh, and it, it really kept you, I think, from being 100% when it came time to look at the NFL. But, you know, I think the fact, too, though, Dickie, that, you know, you athletes have never been bigger, stronger, or faster than you are now. The equipment is so much better that I think there would be the, – there came a fearlessness with the game that has led to some injuries. So, you know, you, you got to take a look at it, but you know, some of the, the ejections of players through the years, I think has to be looked at, you know, when it takes you 10 minutes to look at a replay and try to figure out if a guy ought to be ejected, that's pretty ridiculous. Right. Well, I'll tell you this, and I don't know much about all that, but the day that you start worrying about getting hurt, is typically the day you get hurt. Oh, yeah. yeah. So just all these rules that are putting in uh, a player's head is, man, I've got to make an adjustment not to hit the guy, but to make sure I hit him and don't get a penalty. Yeah. Those small adjustments that are going through his head is going to create some type of movement that is probably going to get him hurt. Yeah, you're right. Um, and, and you've seen it in uh, – and I'm, I'll move into the Saints because I'm a Saints fan, but – sure. When the Saints lost to the the Vikings, right? Because the wide receiver Diggs caught the ball and the guy totally whiffed. Yes. What's well, because he wasn't trying to hit him up high? He had to go low because he was going, "Don't get a penalty." That's right. You're right. So if it was just let's play some football, there would have been a tackle. He would have hit him. It would have been over. Um, so not only it's changing the game a lot, and that's another thing I tell people is, you know, a lot of wide receivers now. And this is really just when I'm um, trying to relive my glory days when I'm watching college football. <laughs> I say, listen, that guy might have better numbers, but it's because they're not worried about getting hit over the middle. Anymore. That's right. That's correct. So, now, conversely, one handed catches over the middle. And I said, <laughs> we'd never do that. Conversely, you got to deliver a lick in the LSU game that'll go down in, in UK football history from anybody who was there. And that said, they replayed that upset when you guys knock off LSU. Maybe the, the most thrilling game in the history of commonwealth stadium and you had a big hand in that game but what people remember the most was you laid out a defender a guy you knew uh how often did you hear about that or have you heard about that through the years uh that's what's so funny is obviously you mentioned it uh 16 touchdowns wide receiver i caught a ball for 11 right but if, if I go back up to a game or if I'm, somebody's talking to me about, oh, I, I'm in college football, they're, they're mentioning that hit. Um, 
which was more important than anything I think I did, and which was it's fine by me because, you know, that was some would say the the best game, and the I mean we took down the number one team in the yep. nation. Yep. So to have a big part in that, uh, especially from a momentum swing of being a physical team and out dominating one of the strongest teams in the country, uh, I'll take that memory all day long. What do you remember about that game? What do you remember the most? Because there were so many key moments in that game. I, I just, you know, and by the way, they did not include your big hit in the replay, unfortunately, but, but there was so much to remember. Right. Well, I would say I remember being down, first of all, but uh, going back to when I actually committed, you know, you look at the schedule and you're uh, going in to be a freshman. I go, okay, I play in my junior and senior year. Mm-hmm. Um and I just remembered myself saying, that's why I'm going to Kentucky. Because being from Louisiana, it was just one of those things to where I knew that I wanted to go to Kentucky. And I saw myself as a senior that year being four years, but I was a junior because I had a redshirt my sophomore year. Right. But it was, that was the moment that I looked at going, everything was coming true. Where well, you, everything you ever wanted which as an athlete, which was, to be a huge contributor to the team, be successful, and then really go showcase your talent where you came from and prove to everybody in the state of Louisiana that it was not a bad mistake to leave the state and go play for Kentucky because I said, we will beat LSU. And, and it, this, just, it felt good. This came a year after LSU absolutely destroyed you guys, as you might recall, down in Baton Rouge, and I think I saw your dad that night up in the stands. But Jeremy Jarman told us the other night that on that plane ride back, and I was on that plane with you guys, he had a moment with himself, uh, and he admitted to self-doubt. Not just, hey, you know, what's wrong with our team, but he wondered about himself as an SEC player. But, of course, you had the the off week, and you rededicated, and then, uh, you know, you won enough games to go to a bowl game, which was fabulous, upsetting Georgia. But what do you remember about that coming home from your home state? And, you know, quite frankly, LSU embarrassed you guys that night. And a year later, you turn it around. Right. And isn't that crazy that just within a year, mostly probably all the same players, yeah. um, able to go from a 49 nothing loss to a triple overtime win, and it's really just it goes to show you what mindset and belief does. Um, and right after that game, it was really a gut check of who are we? Did we really? Are we really going to do what we said we we're going to do? And uh, it was pretty special to watch the turnaround, mm-hmm. uh, all those guys. But it just takes one little moment. Like I say, it's one little comment, it's one hit that leads to another hit that leads to a little another catch. It leads to a run that just all of a sudden the confidence starts to grow. And then I don't think that 07 year, um, I don't think there was one player on offense that thought we couldn't score on anybody in the entire country. We thought we literally thought we were the best team in the country offensively. Nobody could stop us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's still the best in U.K. history. And you guys, they're going to have to go some to, to – uh to beat those numbers, like I said, because of the year Andre had and all you receivers and Jacob and what a tremendous core of running backs you guys had and an underrated O-line, you know. Uh, and now you've got a Kentucky team with one of the best O-lines in America. So they're standing on your shoulders, young man. 
Well, I'll tell you what, that's why you go there, right? Not to, for what to do it, but also to leave a legacy and to build on. And I think that's what was in the beginning, you know, a little frustrating with the transition because we oh, built yeah. it and we had a little downturn. But uh, the things that Stoops has done over the last couple of years have just been tremendous. And I love the fact that he's bringing back guys like John Summerall who played for Kentucky. Yeah. Um, who got nothing but heart um, and dedication to this team. So I think you're going to see a lot of upward trend over the next couple of years, and hopefully we can maintain and add to it. Tell everybody what you're up to before I turn you loose. Uh, I'm doing two things, right? So i uh, got a wealth management firm down in Louisiana uh, with an old high school football buddy. Uh, we run under the Northwestern Mutual umbrella, but do comprehensive financial planning. And then uh, for fun, I have this uh, – I have this little company called Has Been You, which is uh, it's better to be a has been than it never was. True. And I just, uh, you know, I just put out funny stuff about, uh, you know, what it's like to reminisce about the good times. So I just kind of created a different page for myself. So that way my, my personal feed and my personal life doesn't get overwhelmed with, uh, I don't want to be the Al Bundy. <laughs> I want to be Al Bundy, but I want to be Al Bundy on Has Been You page, not my family page. <laughs> I know what so. you're saying. I was a never was, but I know what you're saying about Al Bundy. That's great. Dickie yeah. Lyons Jr., Richard Lyons. You go by Dickie Jr. still, or are you back to being Richard? Yeah, only just just my dad and my wife call me Richard. Everybody else is still Dickie. <laughs> well, tell your dad I said hello, and I miss talking to him, but I'm sure we'll cross paths at some point, and I'll see you, I'm sure, at a game at some point, I hope, in the near future. Thank you so much. It's great talking to you. You too. I'll be good. Thanks All for right, having man. me on. Have a good one. Thanks. That's Dickie Lyons Jr., the son of one of the most versatile players. Dickie was a terrific SEC player in his own right. Uh, Dickie Sr., we'll talk about him on the other side of the break. Here on 630 WLAP. This is the home of the Wildcats. 630 WLAP. Thanks again to Dickie Lyons Jr. for joining us. Outstanding player. But as I think it was Billy pointed out, his dad had just phenomenal stats. And in fact, a while back, the Cat's Paws published a list of the top seven all-around players and listed Dickie Lyons Sr. still as the best. And I thought that until I saw Randall Cobb play and really – it was into Randall's final year, his junior year at Kentucky. And our broadcast partner at the time, our uh, uh, I think he was, well, no, I think Jeff was doing the games, uh, Pecoro. But in speaking with our man Jeff Van Note, who played with and snapped the ball sometimes too, Dickie Lyons Sr., Van Note called Randall Cobb the best all-around player he had ever seen at Kentucky. And that's saying something. As I said, because Dickie Lyons Sr., uh, who, who, which one of you guys pointed out first player in SEC history with a thousand yards rushing, pen, punt returns, and kickoff? That was returns. me. Okay, can you imagine somebody doing that now and kicked uh, four extra points and a field goal, punted, filled in a QB, filled in a defensive back, and keep in mind now he was playing only ten games at a time. It's got to be Lynn Bowden, the closest thing to to it. Well, if Bowden had played three or four years, I think by far he, he could have done it. 
He could have. Well, Derek Abney's up there as well. We'll talk well, more about this a little bit later well, on. Terry Miners is going to well, join us next. You're listening to Big Blue Insider with Dick Gabriel on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Welcome back. You're listening to the Big Blue Insider, but if you listen to our sister station, WHAS in Louisville, you recognize that music. It's essentially the walk-up music for our next guest, who will take over these very airwaves tomorrow night in this time slot because, well, the the state is coming back to life economically, and we're going to take a special look at it. And the man who's going to be steering the boat is my old friend Terry Miners. Not that he's old. He's a boy at heart, but he and I have known each other for <laughs> About a zillion no years. One has ever, hey, Dick, no one has ever called that walk-up music before for me. That's perfect. Although I'm thinking back to my days at Camp Taylor Little League where I got one hit <laughs> in 436 at-bats. <laughs> well, but at least at least you got one, and that's all I can say. Just one. Yeah. I was that's, the it's because I was closing my eyes and the bats <laughs> going around actually made contact and I ran. <laughs> That's all it was. <laughs> like the wind, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. Well, look, it's first of all great talking to you because usually I, if I see you, it's during Derby Week when I'm encroaching on space at your radio station there. And, of course, we all know that we have to wait on the Derby this year. But it's been such a bizarre time. And and I say this, I'm not pandering. Terry, Terry and I, like I said, have known each other for a long time. But you have been one of those voices uh, through all of this in the city of Louisville that that's, it's, people can count on every day. Uh, and, and when you were growing up, you and I were growing up in the city of Louisville, people leaned on the radio for that kind yeah. of support and information. What's that been like for you during this pandemic to try to communicate with people and, and, and get information out there like you're going to get out tomorrow night? The important thing is that we were trying to keep people's spirits up yeah. and are continuing to do that. Yeah, you're right. Radio is so important. It's just the, it's the best, most intimate form of media because people, it's a one-on-one conversation. People are listening to you while they're preparing food or whatever they're doing. But through the pandemic, all of us, including those of us on the air, slide backward emotionally just because, you know, our lives have been handcuffed in a certain way and limited and boxed in. And so we're all sort of feeling it. And the idea is just to put out some sort of positive energy every day, even though we have to report the, the, the terrible facts of things that have gone on during the yeah. pandemic. And then all the upheaval that's going on across America in uh, recent days, it's the same thing. We, we have to bring information, but still try to find a way to push toward joy reclaiming joy and tomorrow night what we're going to do is in this reopening kentucky show some of it is already recorded um we're we're going to talk about people sort of reclaiming their joy because no one seems to have had it you know for the last 10 weeks or whatever it's been and now we're just starting to crack open the doors again and step out i've likened it to like the wizard of oz where she sings after the (laughs) wicked witch is gone who goes away in the puff of smoke right come out come out wherever you know whatever <laughs> and that's what we're telling the munchkins come on out everybody yeah. come out again yeah and we're easing back into our lives albeit with with heavy hearts too because of the other situation in america that involves yeah. the uh, killing of black people 
in uh, by police departments across America, and just the uh, accrued pain and suffering of African Americans across America. So we're really we're in a different crossroads here, Gabe, okay, because we're all emerging from the pandemic, but this other issue has been mm-hmm. uh, a heaviness on us for hundreds of years, and I'm glad it's this time of year where things are bursting forth again because that seems like the proper metaphor for let's let's come out let's yeah. let's hug each other let's let's do everything necessary to get ourselves moving together in unison i got so excited when i heard you were doing the show because you're you're a native of louisville uh you worked in lexington so you know this market you worked on one of our stations one of our iheart stations here you've been in louisville at, at two or three stations now for uh, many many years, and you are the voice of Louisville. Uh, and it's it's not just uh, a show that's centered on the city of Louisville. Can you tell people listening to this station what they'll how they'll benefit from this show tomorrow night? I like um, talking to people in a in a general sense, just because humans are are who they are, whether they're in Idaho or in Pennsylvania or here. We have our own way of life. I'm a native Kentuckian. I love all things Kentucky and grew up, you know, in a house where the Wildcat games were playing on the radio all the time. And Kaywood was such a fixture in our house. And my parents loved Tubby Smith, and he was so kind to them. And, And then beyond that, like my parents never went to the Kentucky Derby. You already said you and I have covered derbies over the years. I think about that sometimes, how odd that is. My parents never, ever went to the Kentucky Derby, but lived about four miles away from the track. (laughs) Nonetheless, we had a little neighborhood gathering in their backyard every year on Derby Day. And so that's how people in Kentucky celebrate. They don't really have to go to the track because we know what we're doing here in terms of celebrating all things Kentucky, whether they be horses or basketball or bourbon or just gathering at a neighborhood pub. And, of course, your church family and all the other things that go along with being a member of uh, the great Commonwealth of Kentucky. It's just so tomorrow night we're, we're just kind of showing our positive energy, how we're going to reemerge and what we foresee happening to sort of rebuild ourselves. It's like Jenga. You know, the thing fell yep. and only the foundation is standing now. And now we're going to put it back together better and stronger than it was before. Terry, this is Billy, and first of all, I want to thank you for everything that you've done in my career, helping me in the Louisville building, and you were a great friend to me and still are, so I appreciate everything you've done. I want to to ask you something that uh, I don't think is asked a lot uh, to us talk show hosts and people that work in news. I think my toughest month working in that Louisville building was when I was helping the news department and Suzanne and Haley and just having to go through the daily news, which can be very depressing if that's all you see. I just kind of want to slow down and ask you, Terry, personally, how you're doing. How have you held up throughout this COVID-19 and throughout what's going now in our cities? How are you doing personally? That's very thoughtful of you, Billy. You know I love you. You're a, you're a talented guy. I told you that. I just said, you've got something. You're building a great career, and I see you, know, I see you growing this into a great thing. So I, it's fun to be there when somebody is just starting to, their launch into our business. You're a smart person. You're clever. You know when to stop talking and let someone else fill in. And so you're a very talented guy. For me, 
I am a people person, so this has been debilitating. I mean, I this is contrary to everything that that who who I am. I love hugging people. I love listening to people. I love learning from people. So I can learn things online, but that's not the same of just reading or watching a video of someone or whatever. That's it's it's just one dimensional. I need to stand next to people and to feel their warmth and to feel their hurt and all that. And, and so that, that's the part of me that I feel like part of me is just pining for human interaction again. So I'm sitting on my porch right now and I'm listening to birds sing and look at these beautiful flowers my wife planted. That's all great. Our family is doing wonderfully. We're lucky. We're lucky to be alive. Every day is a gift. But without the commonality of shared experience with neighbors and friends, it it breaks my heart for all of us because I know how much I'm thirsting just for daily human interaction. And it's great that you bring that up because I don't know if you're aware, but I'm speaking to you from my garage. And uh, <laughs> Billy has been deemed essential, which of course he is. So he's at the, he's one of like five. I'm sure I know you have the same rules at your radio station. Uh, and Aaron, who is uh, on with us as well, is on via the phone from his apartment. That's just the way things are. And yeah, it's it's I can walk six steps out of my man cave into the garage and fire up the 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 link to the radio station. But Billy and I were talking about this the other day off the air. Uh, it's much better. Now you hear my dogs barking. But it's just yep. much better for everything and everybody if we're all in the same room the way these things are supposed to go. Exactly. And my dog is hearing your dog barking, so my dog is barking back now. It, it is interesting because we're separated. We're still able to communicate but when I interview people, and I know you feel the same way, Gabe, you like to look at them. Yep. You, you like to watch people's physical reaction to what they're saying, how they move their hands, whether they look you in the eye or look away at certain times, and listen to them breathe. And, and pauses are also communication. Yeah. You know, when someone's talking to you and they're, and they're answering a difficult question and they pause – it's one way to just hear it on the radio, but when you're the interviewer and you're watching someone react because they want to assimilate their thoughts properly or else they're overwhelmed emotionally, it tells more of a story and it leads you to your next question. Sure. Yeah. So that, you know, that's all part of what we're missing is the human interaction. Like I said, it's one dimensional and it's, and it's weird. As much as I love hearing these birds singing off my porch <laughs> right here, I'd rather be in the studio smelling stale popcorn and the beer that somebody knocked over last weekend, and the shuffled papers from Tony Vanetti, who's too lazy to clean up after himself. Get on. Sadly, I miss those things. Yeah. Terry, another pillar of the community when it comes to the city of Louisville is Jody Demling. And uh, COVID-19 and that entire situation didn't hit home for me until that situation happened with Jody. You work very close with him at 840 WHAS, doing the sports reports every day for your show. Kind of just tell me what that was like. To, were you on the air when you heard that news about your close friend being sick? I heard it about 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and I come on at 3. And, of course, we were talking about coronavirus and COVID-19 and the challenges. And like reporting on a game from far away, you don't have an emotional stake in it. 
but you you hear other people talk about it and you maybe share some audio from it. But once it happens to somebody who's next to you, again, one of those people you look across the table at when you're talking on the radio, you roll your eyes at each other, you understand each other's language. It's like um, Michael Jordan and Pippen, they know where each other is on the floor all the time. That's the way broadcasters work together in the same room. You know what the other person's doing just by their facial expression. And so when I heard Jody was on a ventilator, that was like a two-by-four in the face. So I heard it at 1 o'clock, and then when I came on at 3, I started telling the audience how stunned and shocked we all were, and it's hit home, and it's part of our family. And I started crying on the air. I mean, I just couldn't hold it in. I mean, I am who I am. I didn't think that was going to happen that day, but I do. Most of my show is just completely um, ad libitum, you know, ad-libbed, and I started crying. And then I did something I've never done before on the radio. I prayed. Wow. And I just said, this is hit home, and it's powerful. And then I, like a good Catholic boy, prayed the Hail Mary for Jody. But it was hard to even talk. I, I had to keep pausing, and um, I, I, it was hard to, to just get through the segment because I was worried about my friend dying. And, you know, I, and I, I don't know if I, in some selfish manner I was worried about myself or whatever brought all that on, but I was just trying to be honest with my emotions and then – Jody, after he got out of the hospital and healed up, and uh, he and I talked on the phone one day, and he told me that he listened to that segment later. It was played for him. It was recorded. And he, and he said it choked him up and made him cry to hear me crying. So it's just like Tom Hanks. I'm not crying. You're crying. You know, there's no crying in baseball. Yeah. But when it, once that hit home with me, it was like, this is real. And... This could take down the whole human race. We don't know where this is going to go. Now, obviously, I think we've got a tighter grasp of what the parameters are here. It's tighter. It's not finite. But at least we have a better sense of where we're going. But we're lucky we didn't lose Jody Demling. And I'm so sorry for the 100,000 people that have died from this because, you know, life is a challenge in and of itself every day. And to just add in the extra burden of a pandemic and to have 100,000 people not make it over that wall is just soul-crushing for all of us. Yeah, and I'm I'm so glad that I was in on the Zoom call with Jody, and we did, Terry, play some of the audio from that. And just relieved that, you know, I've known Jody like you have for, for many, many years uh, when he was with the CJ and was over here covering some Kentucky games. He's, you know, he's a Trinity guy like me and like Tony and – uh, I, w- I was so concerned about him, as well as uh, we had a Jeremy Jarman, the former UKD lineman, on our right. show. He's now a nurse, you know, fighting on the front lines, as you know, down there in Nashville, uh, and has told us stories about just trying to keep from spreading this to his infant child, you know, that kind of thing when he comes home from work. So uh, it's affected all of us in a lot of ways, but uh, things are starting to look up, economically at least, and we'll find out more about that tomorrow night. Thanks to Terry, he'll be on this radio station during this time slot. And a reminder for a guy who is a huge U of L fan, and that's okay. Uh, for four years, for four years, Terry Miners stalked the UK sidelines of football games, wearing a UK jersey that said Miners on the back, because his brother was a football Wildcat. I'll never forget that. <laughs> exactly right. No, I'm 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 a, I'm a huge Wildcats fan too. I don't hide from that. I know. Uh, I love, um, you know, I love our sports here. 
I've really enjoyed a great relationship with the University of Louisville, and they're they're great to me. And so, you know, I'm a friend and fan of the of their programs too. So that's how it is. How you doing, neighbors? My neighbors are waving at me. Anyway, I look forward to being on tomorrow night. And let's, you know, I'm hoping for all of us guys, uh, not just the little mom and pop on the corner, but the bigger businesses too, and our radio business and our media friends at TV and newspapers and everybody else that we can all just sort of put put these dominoes back in order and move our lives forward yeah. and everybody help each other get through this other painful um, cloud that's over us now that we've just got to get resolved. Terry, thanks so much for your time. Looking forward to hearing you tomorrow night, and thank you tonight for the inevitable rating spike, and I'll see you down <laughs> the road somewhere. Great to see you, Billy. You too, Dick. Take care, fellas. Have Thanks, a good Terry. one. Thanks. We're back in a minute on 630 WLAP. This is the home of the Wildcats. 630 WLAP. Well, I have locked mine away. My apologies. I, I don't know what they're yelling at. Other dogs, I guess. But um, And the funny thing is, when the little one barks, doesn't matter what the other two are doing. And Aaron, you just got a new puppy, but yeah. when our when our yeah. little one, who's a Chihuahua Jack Russell mix, sees somebody outside the window, she's got to protect the house. Then the beagle starts barking, and then the big Golden Pyrenees, who doesn't even know what's going on, that's the one you heard in the background. She's got to start. So anyhow, and uh, my wife's out of town, so. <laughs> it's it's a mess. How anyway. is that going, Aaron? I mean, have you been accustomed to pee pads yet? Oh yeah. Oh my God, man. My <laughs> listen. I love the puppy to death. He is wonderful. He's a happy little guy. He's energetic. All I can't say more positive things. But let's just say the vet knows us very well already. Sure. Um, he yeah, definitely going through the pee pads. He's actually the poor thing is having stomach issues right now. I'm not going to go into detail on radio. But he's having stomach issues, so we're trying to resolve that. Uh, we also had, you know, he's a he's eight. Today was his two month birthday, so he's very young and squirmy. And my girlfriend will probably kill me for sharing this, but in the middle of the night, she took him out, and he just fell out of her arms and hit his his paw in the concrete. Oh. And thank God, it's still cartilage in his right arm, in his you know, in his paws, his front paws, because he's so young. Um, but he's dealing with pain from that. So he's a little warrior, but, uh, yeah, no more sleep for Aaron, that's for sure. Yeah, well, you know, it, he's a baby. So you just got to Literally. Deal. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, our thanks again to Terry Miners for joining us. And a reminder, he will be with us on this. Well, not with us, but uh, we will step out and make way for Terry. Uh, if you are online and you read uh, Tim Sullivan, in the Courier Journal, or you can pick up the link to his column. He has a really interesting piece, and Tim's been a guest many times on our show, the uh, lead sports columnist with the Louisville Courier Journal. He reminds that by way of making sort of, I don't know if reparations is the right word, but just trying to, to throw some calm over the situation, he writes about the fact that the Police Athletic League is looking to revive its chapter in Louisville and a reminder that Cassius Clay, as a youngster, was taught to box by a white Louisville patrolman who came upon the young boy crying that someone had stolen his bike and he wanted to go find the kid and whoop him. 
And he said, do you even know how to fight? And he took him to a gym and gave him his first boxing lessons, a white policeman helping the young Cassius Clay gentleman by the name of Joe Martin. It's a story that's been told over and over, but now it seems relevant once again. So uh, you might want to check that out if you can. Thanks again to Dickie Lyons. Uh, Sorry we couldn't bring Justin Rogers to you, but uh, we had to make way for the national news as well. We'll talk to him sometime. Uh, Coming up as well later in the week, Randy Burke will join us, former Kentucky football player, first-round draft pick back in the 70s. He is a coronavirus survivor. Thanks to all of you for your calls, your tweets, your comments for Aaron and Billy Dick Gabriel. That's it. Good night from the garage in Lexington. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.